welcome me back um yeah so this episode is a bit of an explanation and a well yeah an explanation so last summer i was um i was working a lot of hours Uh, i was doing a lot of overtime and after you know five or six months of that i had a discussion with my wife and finally came to the conclusion that um the job i was doing wasn't worth the time that i was putting into it um it was a good job and I actually enjoyed it and did pretty good at it. I just, it was a lot of hours and, uh, wasn't the best outlook for our family. So on top of doing a bunch of hours at job at my work, I also started doing uh, a bunch of training on in the evenings and on the weekends in order to uh, try and transition into a different career. Needless to say, free time was, very limited. And, uh, I essentially had to give up my hobbies and my passions, uh, things like this podcast, uh, had to be put on hold, um, because I needed to make a change. And so all last summer and fall, I was working a bunch and also, um, doing a bunch of training on the, on the weekends and evenings, like I said, trying to transition and, I transitioned to a new job last winter. So since then, I've just been lazy. Uh, I'll freely admit that I was burned out after having been nonstop trying to get stuff done for months. I was just, I was burned out. I was tired. Um, and so when I switched jobs, I essentially, uh, I went back down to a normal, you know, 40 hours a week. But at that point, I was just, uh, I didn't have the energy and drive to try and get a whole lot else done. I was planning on, you know, taking a couple week break and then trying to pick things back up. But unfortunately, by that point, I'd gotten out of the habit of making podcasts and out of the habit of reaching out to people to see if they'd be willing to sit down and chat with me. Um, And that's that's really what what killed the podcast for the last year. And I really apologize about that. Uh, I know for me, this is... This is something I really enjoy. Uh, this is kind of my passion is these type of crafts, these type of skills. Um, and I really, really enjoyed chatting with people for all the, all the previous episodes of the podcast. So that's what's bringing me back to it. Uh, got to get it up and going again. Going to be reaching out to a bunch more people this next week and we'll see if we can get a few interviews lined up. Um, but I just figured I owed you all a, uh, a, explanation. I kind of just went silent for a year and haven't put anything out, haven't recorded any episodes, haven't sent any emails, haven't put anything on my, on my website. You know, I just completely walked away from it because I, I was in a time crunch. I had too many things pressing on my time. And this one was one that, uh, had to go for the time being last summer. So, but yeah, I'm back. Woohoo! I'm looking forward to chatting with people. So let's see. On uh, that note, anything new with you guys? Learn anything new? Pick up a new skill, craft, hobby? Something fun to chat about? I've um, been doing a bit of bark tanning. It's something I've uh, I'd never really done before. So 
that was uh, something that I kind of dabbled with after episode four of the podcast uh, when I was chatting with Jesse about uh, bark tanning rabbit hides. But that had been something that I, you know, I, I've always loved tanning. Uh, that's one of those one of those crafts in, in particular that I could probably delve deep into and really, really enjoy. Um, well, not probably I would. That's one of the ones I, I tend to spend my time on when I have a moment. So this summer, uh, like I said, I've switched jobs. I have a lot more free time now. It's still a normal job, but it's not doing a bunch of overtime. So uh, I've been doing a few different projects. I've been doing a few different bark tans. I have tanned stuff using four different kinds of material for my solution. Um, I've got a couple different pieces of deer hide that I've tanned using various materials. I've got some fish skins that I did. I have a, a bear skin out there in, in solution at the moment. So um, that's been kind of my summer project um, is playing with a couple different solutions. I will definitely say I'm not good at it, but I'm also amazed at how long you can leave things without them rotting when you put them in a tannin solution. Um, I have neglected, especially this bear hide, I have neglected it to the point that, I know, I'm surprised it's still there, but uh, coming from a background of doing buckskin and brain town, it's absolutely amazing how long things will last when you put them in a tannin solution. And I know that's not best practice, uh, and you know, it would undoubtedly be better for the hide if I strengthen the solution more frequently and... Well, yeah, mostly that is give it strong, fresh solution on a regular basis and didn't forget to stir it. Um, but I have not done that very well. And the hide is still leather. It hasn't rotted uh, all through the summer heat and everything. It did lose its hair. So unfortunately, it was a bear hide. It was meant to be uh, hair on. And for the first month, I thought it was actually going really well. I could you know, take a look at it. The skin was taking up a fair amount of color. I mean, it's hard to see down through the fur, but flip it over. The skin was definitely taking on quite a bit of color. Uh, looked like it was penetrating well. And then I went on vacation for a week in June. Uh, went to go see family and 100 degrees in June with no new solution, no stirring. Um, the hair slipped, uh, unfortunately. So, I ended up just intentionally removing all the rest of it when we got back because um, I, I was starting to lose little patches of it here and there. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, a bear hike with patches of fur missing is, I mean, it would be hideous looking. So at that point, I just pulled the hair out and I'm just doing a uh, just a basic veg tan leather at this point. Um, the ones that actually interest me more, though, are the pieces of deer skin I did in a couple different types of solutions. So... I did some in willow bark and some in spruce bark and some in uh, a cyanothus uh, leaf solution, which is a um, snow brush is what people call it around here. Um, I knew it as cyanothus volutinus in college, but I'm honestly not sure it's the same species of cyanothus up here in Montana as we had in Utah. It seems like it's a little bit different, but it grows all over the place. It's a really, really common shrub up in the... Uh, upper elevations around here. So really, really, really abundant and easy to gather. So I gathered enough for a, a little, you know, like square foot patch of deer hide that I was testing. But um, this deer hide was one that I had started as buckskin probably three years ago, four years ago. Um, and once again, I have a 
bad habit of starting projects right before I, you know, have to be leaving for something else. So the night before I was leaving for a trip, I was trying to get this deer hide uh, grained and I was doing it as a dry scrape, um, dry scrape brain tan. But anyways, I had it all laced in a frame and was in a hurry to try and scrape all the hair off before I, and grain before I left on vacation the next morning. And, um, I destroyed the hide. I mean, it was embarrassing how terrible it turned out. Not surprising. I mean, I've, I've never really done that many dry scrape hides. I, I would say the majority of my tanning has been wet scrape. If that, if that means anything to you, it, it essentially means that, um, so when you're doing like a soft buckskin, you have to remove the outside layer of the, of the skin of the hide. Um, so you're removing the epidermal layer, the, the layer right up next to the skin, and you've got to get down into kind of the center part of the, the skin, uh, where it, the fibers are a lot looser. It's a lot more fluffy and flexible and things like that. Uh, the harder, stiffer outside layer you leave on when you're making like a vegetable leather, like I'm, like I'm doing with the bear hide, where it'll turn out more like belt leather or something like that. So anyways, I had dry scraped this hide, but in the process of doing that, I, you know, popped through it all over the place, um, really kind of destroyed it. And it was also getting dark. I had just gone off of work and it was getting dark when I was trying to scrape this as well. So, um, after popping through it a bunch of times, I I eventually just, you know, cut out the center section of the hide uh, where I had already scraped and just realized, I just gave up on the rest of it. I realized it wasn't going to happen. So I saved that center section. I used part of it as a bow backing years ago. Uh, actually, that was the, the bow I shot my first elk with um, a few years ago, whenever that was. But anyways, I had the rest of that hide sitting in a box still. I had meant to come back and finish tanning it and had never gotten back to it. So I took a moment to come back and I've been cutting sections off of it and immersing them in different tanning solutions just to see kind of the characteristics of the different tan or the different material and the the color it'll yield and things like that. And actually it's, um, I haven't really made anything with that leather yet, but it's an amazing leather so far. Um, I like what I'm seeing and I might try and do a full hide or two like that because it ends up being more soft and flexible like a buckskin and it's got that same like fuzzy exterior but it's got a little more I mean it's not as bouncy um, but it's still got stretch to it it's it's interesting characteristics and something I want to play with more I view that one as being an interesting kind of an in-between the well it's a veg tan it's a it's a bark tan leather at that point but it's just missing the uh, the grain le- grain layer so I'm sure that was a common tan somewhere in the world. I had just never heard or read or seen anyone doing that before. So that was kind of an experiment on my part. And I really like how it's turned out. So I'm, I'm looking forward to what I can make with that leather. I also ended up cutting down a birch tree for a few different reasons. Uh, a, I needed a fleshing beam for my tanning projects. And birch seemed like one of the logical options around here. Uh, we don't have much in the way of things like cottonwood uh, or even aspen. They don't really exist. Uh, we're almost an entirely conifer forest up here. But down along the streams, you do have some birches, which is something I'm not used to. It's a material or a wood I've never really done much with because 
uh, living a little further south in the Rocky Mountains, there weren't really any birches around. It was kind of a fun project. I, I took a tree down and I turned, I made a fleshing beam and I used all the bark. Uh, I set, I sectioned off. It, it was a, it was a yellow birch. Um, so I took off the bark, um, the outer bark for use in maybe some birch bark baskets or something like that. I've never done a project like that since I've never lived anywhere with birch. Um, but I saved some of the bark anyways. I know it's not uh, the ideal bark. I know most people use a paper birch, but uh, you use what you have. So I'm going to play with it and see what I can do. But then the underbark, it was like this interesting corky, uh, cork-like material. Or at least it was when wet. Uh, it definitely turned very stiff and hard and brittle when it dried. But I took that and I've been using that as a tanning solution um, so a little section of deer hide and part of my bear hide has been in a birch bark solution. Um, that was a, another test as well. Just kind of curious about that one. So, um, unfortunately the color is not as vibrantly red as the actual solution was, um, the color of the leather, it turns out kind of pale, but, um, really, really kind of fun. Um, so yeah, between needing a tanning solution and a fleshing beam and bow staves. And I've also wanted to do some hand tool and green woodworking. Um, so I've already turned some of it into some spoons. Um, I justified taking a tree down. Like I said, I don't, I don't take trees very often, especially living trees. Uh, most of the time when I've taken trees for bow staves or something like that, it's been, you know, the neighbor's tree falls over or, uh, you know, they're, they're removing uh, some limbs along the side of the highway for construction or something like that. So I will say that um, I've experienced a lot of issues using material like that because I'm not being real selective in the material that I get. I'm just uh, taking whatever would be going to waste and trying to use it. Um, and there are pros and cons to both ways. Um, one way you're uh, obviously, you know, making use of material that would have gone to waste otherwise. But um, I will say it's definitely nice having material that was specifically selected to be straight and you know, branch free and things like that when making bows. This stave I'm working on right now has gone way easier than any of the other other woods that I've ever done. Um, and I think part of it's because I was intentional about the wood that I selected or the tree that I selected and taking a good one that uh, would serve this purpose well. And I think the other part is that uh, I had always cured my bow staves um, before I started working them. And these ones, I like this one I'm working on right now, I draw knifed it pretty close to final. Well, I, I used a draw, hatchet and then draw knifed it pretty close to final dimensions um, while green. And I mean, it's, it makes me wonder why I've been beating my head against the bricks for so many years, uh, trying to use cured wood. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, you know, you always read about how, how much easier it is to work a green wood. And for some reason, you always use cured wood and then you use green wood and you're like, why was I doing that? That just didn't make any sense or it doesn't make any sense now, at least. So it's been a learning experience. Um, and I also think part of it might be because it's birch. Um, so it's very smooth grained. Um, 
it works easily as it is. So I've, I've definitely enjoyed working with the wood from this log and I'm looking forward to some of the other projects I can, I can do with it. Um, yeah, between the birch tree and, you know, some of the tanning projects I've had going on, um, those are probably most of the big ones I've, I've done over the summer. Um, I don't know if any of you all know who the uh, guys over at Mortis and Tenon are. Uh, you're in the Mortis and Tenon blog, podcast, and magazine. Um, really, really excellent work. Uh, all of the above, the books, blogs, podcast, magazine. Uh, they're one of the few podcasts that I subscribe to, um, mostly because I don't have time. So I, I can't listen to very many. I used to have more that I listened to, but I've kind of narrowed it down to just a couple um, and hopefully I make that list for you across the fingers. Um, anyways, the guys over at Mortison, uh, Tenant, I ended up buying a couple of their books. Cause like I said, I've been really interested in hand tool woodworking. And so I got, uh, a couple of the like entry level books. I got joined and worked, um, by Joshua Klein and, and looking at, uh, you know, trying to round up some old tools and refurbish them and start hand tool woodworking. Cause it's interesting. I've, you know, I've been a custom woodworker for years. Uh, that's the shop I was, I, that's a job I was getting out of last year is I was running a custom woodworking shop, except it wasn't real custom. It was more like a factory woodworking shop. Um, but I was good at it. Um, the only problem being is I'm used to working from, you know, kiln dried, dimensional lumber and it's, it's it's a different process um a i'm interested in building something from the tree you know like go out harvest your own tree and then make something from there uh not necessarily order my wood in um although that's also interesting but it's also just a very different mental attitude when you know I was working from final dimensions in the shop. I would get a, a drawing of what I was supposed to make and I would look at it and I would, you know, work my way backwards. Okay. They want final dimensions of this size at this thickness. And therefore I need to, you know, I'm going to take off this much in the sander. I'm going to take off this much in the planer. And in the, you know, I just kind of work my way backwards through the machinery. I count for an eighth inch running through the shapers account for, you know, and then basically it's just a bunch of math. Um, and then you take your wood and you run it through the planer and then you run it through the shaper and then you start gluing things together. And, um, it's a different mental outlook now that I've started looking at doing things with hand tools. Um, when I've realized that I'm not necessarily worried about efficiency, um, I am to the point where I don't want to, you know, just take forever on something that doesn't need to take forever. You know, I don't necessarily want to use a dull saw. Um, I want to be more efficient and use a sharp saw. But at the same time, as a now someone who's going to be a hobby woodworker, someone who's woodworking for fun to build their own things for the joy of making, I realized that I don't necessarily want to have the investment in tools. Um, cause I had this before when I was running my own business. It's a, oh man, I got a tool up. I got to buy this next thing, which is, know, a $600 machine. And then as soon as you get that, you start looking at the next thing. And now I kind of want to go the opposite direction and pare down and be like, look, I'm going to have, you know, a couple of chisels and 
uh, a couple of saws, and what can I make? Um, pare down, use just the simple basic tools, and get good with those instead of always looking for a new tool that could do more and do it faster and do it uh, more efficiently, yes, but that's not really what I need anymore. Um, so it's it's kind of been fun going through things and, and looking at things with a different perspective in regards to woodworking in particular, because that's what I did for a living. But we shall see. I've only done small projects so far, and I really want to try something larger if uh, I can you know, find the space and time for it over the winter. Um, that'll, that'll in particular be the time because, uh, things like tanning and things like that, they're frankly kind of miserable during the winter. I've tried tanning hides during the winter. In fact, it seems like all my, a lot of my past stuff has been during the winter, um, or late fall, early spring with weather's not really nice. And I always wonder why I do that to myself. So anyways, I figure I can do some of the woodworking stuff out of the weather and I can, hand plane and saw and things like that. It's not going to be making a ton of noise and making a ton of, I mean, it'll still be a bunch of shavings and whatnot from hand planing, but I don't have to worry about uh, dust from a sander. You know, my kid's trying to breed that or something like that, or, uh, you know, all the noise having to wear earplugs all the time. That was, you know, I'm not going to miss that. Um, I think it'll be a lot more relaxed. But that being said, I'm also not going to create, you know, 60 doors a day in my uh, garage using hand tools. So <laughs> uh, there is a trade-off. Um, that's kind of where I'm at now. Uh, I've uh, slowly gotten back into uh, doing things after having been burned out. And basically I just, you know, crashed after uh, it was probably nine months of solid either overtime at the shop um, for a good six months of that and then kind of the overlap of overtime at the shop plus um, you know all the extra training that I was doing on the back end and looking for jobs and things like that so it was probably nine months solid where I was just go 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 and I just crashed at the end of that and didn't have the energy to devote to attempting a podcast but but I miss this. Um, hopefully you all missed it too. Um, I, I really like the, the format of this. Um, I really like chatting with other people and getting to know other people, uh, which I actually find surprising because I'm not really a by nature gregarious person. I'm more of the shy reserve person. And yeah, I think it kind of caught everyone by surprise when I started a podcast and started reaching out to people and talking with people. So, um, anyways, yeah, that's a little bit about me where I'm at. Um, and hopefully we can start this back up again and spend some time learning a, and also be getting to know other people who have, you know, these type of interests and who are involved in preserving old heritage crafts and, uh, knowledge. So, yeah, that's it for me. If you have any suggestions for me, I am once again on the hunt for suggestions of people to talk to um, and or topics to talk about. If you want to hear about something in specific, um, shoot me an email over at uh, daniel at folkcraftrevival.com. 
Thank you, thank you. Appreciate you guys listening. Let's get out there and make something. <laughs>